Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. Quick programming note, uh, tonight we have another Bulwark Plus exclusive live stream. If you are a member of Bulwark Plus, uh, the crew is going to be getting together to talk about uh, the first week of post-Trump world or the first week of the Biden administration. Uh, so that will be at 8 o'clock Eastern time, uh, one of our Bulwark live streams. We, we've been doing them on a regular basis on Thursdays, and I think that's that that is our goal. And of course, if you uh, join Bulwark Plus, you'll get uh, exclusive access to our newsletters. Uh, uh, my newsletter, which goes out in the morning, Morning Shots, uh, JVL's uh, Triad, as well as a host of other podcasts. By the way, my uh, my newsletter this morning is was really kind of inspired by my conversation on the podcast yesterday with Will Salatin from Slate, which was a great conversation. Uh, we were talking about the the. Uh, the new politics of truth versus non-truth facts versus fabulism and conspiracy theories, et cetera. And, and I, I played a soundbite from Tucker Carlson, who is all in and playing the victim card that 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 any criticism of QAnon or my pillow guy or whatever somehow is part of this great silencing. So I did a piece on uh, the, the 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 deep lie, because I think we need to start talking about the deep lie. Uh, and and Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson's own deep lie, which which is that um, the problem isn't the fact that there are these lies out there. The problem is that people are telling you it's a lie and the dishonesty of conflating criticism of bogus conspiracy theories with government uh, censorship. Speaking of which, conspiracy theories, uh, this is this is a podcast I've been looking forward to for a couple of days now. Uh, we're welcoming back former Congressman Denver Riggleman uh, to the podcast. Uh, first of all, uh, good morning, Congressman. How are you? I am doing great. Good morning. Well, I really, I, I, right before we started, I was mentioning that you're getting a lot more attention as an ex-congressman than you ever did as a congressman because you have some very interesting things to say about what is going on in the Republican Party, what is going on with the conspiracy theorists like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, what do you do with a problem like Marjorie Taylor Greene? I mean, isn't, isn't it remarkable? So uh, apparently she's she's gotten the committee assignments now, right? So Sure. She, yeah, she's on committees and... You know, I I was just there. You know, it's it's sort of odd to think what has it only been three, three and a half weeks since my last day in Congress. And, you know, looking at the committee assignment that she has, um, I'm just in, it, it, I think all of us would be bored with her. I put this out this morning. I think we'd be bored with her intellectual laziness, her cowardice, um, her hypocrisy, uh, her, her pursuit of Internet fame, um, appealing to far right or conspiracy minded groups. If it wasn't for the fact that she spread disinformation and she embraced dangerous conspiracy theories, I mean, she hugs that cactus. And I'm, it's just amazing to me that, um, that she's part of the national dialogue, but she is. She's made herself so, and you see her popularity rising. You do see her popularity rising? I do. I mean, um, if you look at what she's doing, yeah. she, is, she, is, she is really sort of carving out a niche for herself amongst entire communities. And, and I'll give you an example. I, I went to a, um, a place of business here in um, central Virginia. And in that place of business, uh, there was a sign on the front door. And I just want to let you guys know what I'm seeing out here. And, and this sort of piggybacks off the DHS warnings yesterday about domestic terrorism. But on the front door, it said, nobody can come in this establishment if you're wearing a mask. What? Really? 
Okay. Yeah. So um, also you had large signs on the side of the road, the Trump Pence signs, just to let you guys know. And I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. I'm just giving you guys anecdotal what an intelligence officer would see on the ground. What I would report if I was still on the Romanian border in 1999, um, I saw there's signs that have Trump Pence. Pence is spray painted out with black and it says F rhymes with luck Pence. Um, so that's, that's where we're at in some of these areas. And I think you can carve out a niche of popularity and fundraising in these communities. Well, it is an extraordinary moment in the Republican Party in your former caucus that there is this widespread movement to purge Liz Cheney while Marjorie Taylor Greene is actually being embraced and named to what the Education and Labor Committee. I mean, yes. it's it's uh I want to I want to talk about Liz Cheney in a moment. Think about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I wanted to take a, a couple of moments on all of this. I, I, I saw that you mentioned that she is not an aberration. She got 75% of the vote in her district. And I think that's kind of an important thing to mention, that it's, it's sort of easy to say this is somebody from the fringes of the fever swamp. But, but that's the story, isn't it? That the fringe of the fever swamp has now become mainstream. Yes. Yes, it, it has. And that's why I've been... You know, if I if you look at what I've gone through, um, and I and I wish I, I I saw some interesting things about people losing their parents or friends or family, you know, to Q or to some you know the stop the steal, you know, pandemic, which was is really huge uh, in certain portions of my family and friends. Uh, and I just let you know this is that I'm still getting Facebook messages, I'm still getting texts, either disowning me, uh, telling me I'm still a traitor, mm-hmm. um, from people that are very close to me and my family. Um, really? So, you know, right. the thing is, is that where I'm at, right, where I'm at and, and, and the people that I know, uh, there's still, I would say, um, it's, a, it's a significant portion of individuals who have gone down these rabbit holes and, and I don't think they're coming back. And, and that's and, and, and Charlie, I don't know. Listen, I, you know, I want to use blunt force facts. I want to use love and compassion. I want to do all of this. But I think what we're seeing is that the love and compassion train on some of these groups had left the station <laughs> and it's down the road a ways. So when when these people say that you're a traitor, what what is the nature of your treason? Is it that you broke with Donald Trump? Is it something specific like that? I mean, is sure. is, is is that now that that's it? That's the whatever else you can do is as, as if 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 you're not with Trump, then then you are you know f you traitor. How disturbed do you want to be, um, Charlie and Jim? That's and a podcast. We we disturb people every day. Okay, know? so th- this is the issue. You know, it it was messianic in nature, and the reason I've been pushing forward on the cult like sort of belief systems that you see right now is I was immediately attacked uh, with this phrase. And, and this is where I want people, why I'm, I've been so concerned is that I went against the ordained leader mm-hmm. um, that I had turned my back on my constituents and God, God. Um, God, that if I did go against Donald Trump, regardless of the reasons I was a baby murderer. Mm-hmm. And so there's two things there. It's not, just about abortion. Uh, this is about this is about sort of the underlying theme of QAnon. So they never they'll say I'm a child murderer or, or I, I I'm aligning with the baby murderers, which you know they can come back and say, oh, that means that you become a Democrat because you're not for Trump, so you're automatically pro-abortion. That's not what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying, Charlie? Yeah, right. I, I, I get what they're saying to me, and and that's the issue that you have is that I, I saw that the, the attacks were so vitriolic on the evangelical side. Here's another thing. Um, I had one individual, a friend of mine over 30 years, 30 years. He said, Denver, I'm done with you. You just called me an anti-Semite and said we were stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I, what I said is that the QAnon baseline deals in ignorance and historic anti-Semitic tropes. 
that individual automatically self-identified. And that's the thing that scared the hell out of me, is that the, the people that you see most coming out of me are self-identifying. They're self-identifying as those individuals based on what I'm saying in generalities towards QAnon. That should scare the hell out of people. And I know I'm probably being very, I don't know if I'm being too subtle here. That That's what should scare people, those who are self-identifying based on the overall definition of QAnon, Stop the Steal, Plandemic, and the other conspiracy theories that have attached to Q like a conspiracy sticky bomb. And, and, and they've developed these defense mechanisms, as, as you point out, uh, that, that if you question their, their beliefs, then they immediately go to, you're attacking me, I am a victim. Or right. you have the Tucker Carlson's of the world who say, you know, if you point out that these are toxic uh, falsehoods, that somehow you're part of this government effort to muzzle or censor uh, people on the right. No, no, no. I mean, you, you cannot conflate truth and, call, and, and, and standing up for truth with censorship. They are not the same thing at all. But again, this victimization, this sense of you can't even question us. Uh, it is amazing how aggressive these folks are, but also what snowflakes they are. That, that if you suggest, you know, it's kind of nuts to think that Hillary Clinton, there's a video of Hillary Clinton, uh, car, you know, filleting a baby's face and then wearing it as a mask. That's that's crazy stuff. Well, what are you yeah. saying? I'm deplorable. Are you calling me? And I'm saying that's wrong. Yeah. And the unwillingness of, of more people to say this. And you you ran into this, you know, when when there was the resolution to condemn QAnon, the unwillingness of some Republicans to go along with this is um, I won't say breathtaking anymore because it's become kind of routine, but it's appalling. Well, you know, I, I remember, and you know, you remember, Charlie, I'm, I'm pretty new to politics, but I remember somebody was telling me, I, I saw some of these appalling things. Like, I don't know if anybody remembers this, Charlie, you know, I was the only person to speak on the floor against QAnon during that resolution. I don't think people remember this. Uh, and in my farewell speech on December 10th, I worry, I, I warned about the violence that was coming. And I remember walking off, I was by myself because it's COVID. You know, mm-hmm. I, I come off out of the floor. One of the guys, one of the Republicans just pats me on the shoulder. He said, Denver, you know, I know you're an intelligence officer. You're just too damn paranoid. There's, there's no way that these crazies are going to do anything. And I looked at him and said, man, I said, I've been dealing in disinformation for 20 years. I've been seeing things that you can't imagine overseas, whether it's Europe uh, and all these places, Eastern Europe specifically. And I said, I saw specific types of language that seems absolutely nutty cause people to kill each other. And I said, and these are directed threats. You don't have to be an intelligence analyst to look at, say, a, you know, a Reddit thread where they say, or it's the Q channels, the Q Patriot channels, right, on Acoon or wherever you're going, and see that they said, we should bring rifles. We should kill people. That's a pretty directed threat. And that's based on fantasy and based on dehumanizing others, Charlie. There, and that's that's what we're still seeing. It's still out there. When you see the Tucker Carlson's of the world, just spewing um, just unmitigated tripe about what's actually happening out there with no knowledge, or maybe he does have knowledge of how this is damaging the very fabric of American society and our ability to have debate based on facts and policy instead of UFOs, aliens, and adrenochrome. We got a god. We got a we got a problem. Almost cussed there. I apologize. And, and that's the issue that we have. Well, it's interesting you tell that story about the Republicans saying that you're too paranoid because, of course, you know we. we We've been warned and warned and warned and warned that this could this could turn ugly. And for years, 
people like you and I were accused of Trump derangement syndrome because, oh, how bad could it get? It would never happen. Three weeks ago, we saw how bad it could get. We have six dead people. We have cops that were murdered. We had the Capitol overrun. And it's all I mean, this the amazing uh, ability of people to, you know, just forget to push it all behind. Them. But let's go back to Marjorie Taylor Greene, because it's not enough, I think, to describe her as a conspiracy theorist. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of the worst human beings in the world. If you met her or encountered her in any other walk of life, you would say, boy, this is this is one of the worst Internet trolls. This is a bad person. This is somebody who follows an 18 year old boy whose classmates have just been murdered and harasses him on the street. This is the kind of person who will suggest that uh, that the that the shootings at Parkland or in Las Vegas uh, or um, at uh, at Sandy at Sandy Hook were were false flags. So let me just read you the beginning of Aaron um, uh, Aaron Aaron Blake's piece in the Washington Post about the problem that Republicans have with her. Republicans knew they had a Marjorie Taylor Greene problem back in the summer of 2020 when she was running for Congress. House Minority Whip Steve Scalise called the QAnon supporters' comments about black people and Muslims disgusting. Spokesman for Kevin McCarthy called them appalling. Uh, Scalise backed her primary opponent, but she won. Republicans tried to put a good face on it, even falsely claiming she had disavowed QAnon, which she has not. Um, that posture is looking increasingly untenable. Now that Green is in Congress, the situation has spun further out of control for the GOP with a steady stream of revelations about her extreme views and advocacy for fringe causes and baseless claims. That's dream, combined with Green's puzzling defense of herself, should make Republicans wonder how long they can put up with this. And then they go through some of the things that she has said in the past. She supported false QAnon claims that there's a global pedophile cabal involving top U.S. political figures and Satanists. In another Facebook post uh, promoting the false frazzle drip claim, <laughs> Frazzle yeah. drip is 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 the, is the claim that the Clinton and her top aide Huma Abedin uh, engaged in a satanic ritual involving the murder and mutilation of a child. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, she liked to comment suggesting the massacre in, in Parkland was a false flag operation. Uh, she called a student gun control advocate who attended the school a little Hitler. Uh, baselessly claiming that Pelosi cited the need for monthly school shootings to pass gun legislation, comparing Black Lives Matter advocates to the Ku Klux Klan, claiming George Soros, who was a Holocaust survivor, collaborated with the Nazis. And it goes on and on and on. And so Aaron Blake is, Aaron Blake is suggesting that, well, this is really a bad problem for Republicans. Do Republicans think of it that way, though? Because they seem pretty comfortable with her. That was my argument. Yeah. Um, when you look at the voting, uh, you look at the constituents, we don't just have a candidate problem. We have a voter problem. Mm -hmm. I would always, right. And I would humbly submit that. And I have that out here. I had that in the fifth district and, and people don't remember why I was kicked out sometimes or the fact that conspiracy theories were started about me, Charlie. And, you know, I, I never knew that I was funded by George Soros to, to change the sexual orientation of children. And that's why I officiated a same sex wedding. I had no idea, mm. you know, and um, so that was what that is what the churches, they brought that to the churches and the churches were actually preaching against me out here in South Central Virginia, just, you know, with twenty five hundred people, you know, they wouldn't allow a primary. And that, that's the thing that I was warning people about is what you're seeing in these small committees or what you're seeing in these areas of corruption or these areas where disinformation is actually the currency uh, for getting elected, that has bloomed across the entire spectrum of the GOP. And, and I know you already know this. You know, I know you know about Oregon mm -hmm. and Kentucky and Wyoming, right? And Texas. I mean, for God's sakes, you can't have we are the storm 
as your motto for the state GOP. That is ridiculous. And to say it has nothing to do with QAnon is not just disingenuous. You think everybody else has to be idiots, uh, and we're not, right? Uh, we're not mouth breathers. We get it. We know what you're doing. And so I think you're seeing a, a sort of, I would say a cementing, that's the best word I have, mm -hmm. an almost mobilization of a, of a group, I would say 20 to 30% that are where they are at. There, there's that is where they are at, Charlie. I, I And I have been warning people, like, listen, it might not be as widespread as you try to sort of cut down some of the social channels, but I can give you my issue on that and, and why that's scary as hell to me, too. Um, but that's the issue that we have is that they're just going to go to other channels. And we've seen a mass migration to Zello, to MeWe, to Signal, and to Telegram off of the major social network channels. They're just going other places to spread this crap. And you're going to see that might not the population might not be quite as large, but it's going to be much more, I would say, fringe and radicalized in sort of, in sort of the, the overall general population. Well, and, and, and it is the feedback loop. And I know this is kind of an old story, but and I'm kind of working on this concept of the deep lie, which I'm trying to distinguish from the big lie. But but basically, it's it's something that becomes so deeply embedded in the political ecosystem that it just distorts reality and then begins to shape, you know, the political world, um, you know, immune to evidence, to logic, new information. And so, you know, however it starts, it, you know, things that used to be in these far obscure fever swamps then spread through social media, and then they're picked up by Fox News and talk radio. And then once they're picked up, then it goes back to social media, goes viral, achieves this critical mass. And then you have politicians like my good friend, Ron Johnson, just beginning to ask questions because people are saying and you start to have Senate hearings and then it begins to dominate political debate. And then suddenly you realize that millions of people believe this stuff and the loop sort of continues until you right. have what happens on January 6th, dead cops, capital under siege and millions of Americans thinking that the election was stolen. Yes, sir. I, I Charlie, when I saw, <laughs> listen, I, I First of all, I don't know if you guys saw the news today, and I haven't validated it yet, and that's why I, I, I do try to validate this. I think somebody was arrested at Longworth today with ammunition, correct? Um, I haven't I, seen – yeah. well, it wouldn't be surprising. Um, and, and so I was looking at that, but then watching Ron Johnson, seeing what he's saying. But I will tell you this. The Tucker Carlson narratives, I don't even know – what would you call them? Um, uh, polemical. Disingenuous, mendacious, yeah, yeah. propaganda, what? You know, Intellectually um, dishonest? Mental masturbation. Yeah, rank, rank <laughs> bullshit. I mean, what? Rank I mean, bullshit. That's yeah. where I was going. Yeah. Thank you for all those other better terms from this old <laughs> knuckle dragon hillbilly from Virginia. But, yeah. you know, um, I just find it amazing when I listen to him. I'm like, you know, I'm a UVA grad. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm listening to this guy's just just spewing shite mm -hmm. all over the place. Just And I'm like, man, it doesn't even meet any type of critical thinking or any type of, of – rationalization. And I'm, I got, I got to tell you guys though, it's, it's pretty common out here. It, he's still very, very, very popular out here. And, and so are all the others that are. Okay. So I, I, have, I have a question about this. Now you, you've experienced this, you were t discussing the, the, you know, the spread of all this, which appears to be almost unchecked at a certain point. I guess the question is that, you know, is there an alternative, was there an alternative possibility that if trusted voices would have stood up and pushed back earlier and stronger, if people in the churches would stand up and say, hey, listen, we're pro-life, we're for small government, we're against these things, I'm pro-Second Amendment, but don't believe the stuff about you know, the, the, the pedophile satanic cults. Uh, don't believe the fact that the, the election was, was stolen. It, 
would it have made a difference if trusted voices would have said, whoa, this is true. Let's go with this, but let's not go with this. Could you, could you, could, could they have been a bulwark against? Oh, very good. Very Mm -hmm. good. The bulwark against bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think so. I tried though. I was overwhelmed by the amount of social media. I, you know, when I started, I I said, Twitter's not true. Twitter's Mm -hmm. not the real world. Facebook's not the real world. But now what we're seeing, how about this for, (laughs) for, uh, uh, dumbing it down for myself. It's like reverse Tron. It's it's the 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 digital uh, the digital personas are actually making themselves real in the real world rather than the real person. That's good. That's good. Being sucked into you know the video game. So when you and, and that to me that's the gamification you talk about. But really what it is, it's just people have a digital fire hose and they wrap their lips around it and they're sucking it in. And you know and when Trump has eighty eight million Twitter followers and he retweets that Joe Biden killed SEAL Team Six. What does it look like when I go to a committee and I'm like, well, that's not true. You suck, Denver. Trump is the man. You suck. Yeah, I, I mean, know. That, I know. By the way. Um, so that's the issue that we have is that I know I'm, I'm a fact-based guy. I was an intelligence officer. I'm pretty damn good at this. But I cannot overcome that kind of echo chamber sort of self-selection into that kind of radicalization with information. It's very difficult to be. No, it is. I, and, and, I, and I've experienced the same sort of thing. So let's, let's, let's talk about it because I'm, I am, I'm fascinated by how fast this all happened. And honestly, I have to look at the, my calendar every single time I say this, that the attack on the Capitol was three weeks ago yesterday. Doesn't it feel like a lifetime ago? It does. Because of course, you know, it was such a shock. It was the culmination of all of these things. It felt like it was the perfect storm. It validated so many of the warnings about uh, where we were going. It completely discredited, I think, Donald Trump uh, and, and 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 the big deep lie that he had been spreading. And there was a moment there, and I've discussed this on the podcast the last couple of days, where there were people willing to admit it. But I want to talk about what's going on with Kevin McCarthy right now, because the speed with which the Republican Party is crawling back to Donald Trump is, shall we say, remarkable. So we have a little bit of a montage of the many faces of uh, Republican minority leader Kevin McCarthy. As a nation, I know we sit back and, and, and we're appalled by what we're seeing. But I want everybody to take a deep breath and understand we all have some responsibility here. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. Do you believe that President, former President Trump uh, provoked I don't believe he provoked if you listen to what he said at the rally. What I said, I thought the president had some responsibility when it came to the response. Um, If you listen to what president said at the rally, he said, uh, demonstrate peacefully. And then I got a question later about whether he incite them. I also think everybody across this country has some responsibility. What I said on the floor was that President Trump could have responded faster uh, when the riots first started. I thought his video... Uh, the second video was a very good video. I, I wish that was the first one. Yeah, uh, Denver Riggleman. What, what what's what's going on with Kevin McCarthy there? Fundraiser. Who's the real Kevin McCarthy? There, 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 you know, and I know Kevin, and, and we've had great discussions, and and we've had you know a great, I would say, relationship until about May or June mm-hmm. um, of last year. And I think what happened is I saw sort of the the naked ambition overcoming any types of service and. What I'm also seeing with all these individuals like like Kevin McCarthy, like Matt Gates, who's going out to Wyoming, 
um, with his, I guess, his 100 travel makeup bags. Um, I, 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 it's almost like that all these individuals have to have a conga line down at Mari Lago and they have to buy their Trump knee pads as they go in. And listen, that's pretty brutal. But I'm to the point that I just can't understand any of this unless it's only about reelection and it's only about access to Trump data, right, for any type of polling or fundraising, right? And the fact is that your career is more important than service. There is, I have no other explanation unless they believe it. Charlie, that's the other thing that people for, unless they, unless that they honestly believe that the Democratic Party right now is crazier than the Republicans and that a lot of how it's being portrayed is absolutely a conspiracy theory from the left about the conspiracy theory on the right, that they have twisted this in a way on an on a information basis where they've been able to rationalize this, that the Democrats have overplayed QAnon, which actually caused the QAnon riots, which is what I'm starting to say. See, I guess the, here's the thing about, about Kevin McCarthy, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know the guy, um, but just watching him, that, that he goes on the floor and basically says the right thing. I mean, he, he says, look, the president did this. He inspired He He needed to be held uh, responsible. And then we had all of these, you know, background stories that Kevin McCarthy just wants Donald Trump to go away. He just wants him. He doesn't want to have to vote to impeach him, but he just wants him to go away because it's just too much of a hassle. So, you know, th this has been a thing, as, as you know, you know, Republicans who give off the record interviews where they say this is really horrible. And I don't want to be part of this. But of course, it's always anonymous. But then today, just I'm just this image of him crawling to Mar-a-Lago to what beg forgiveness from the Godfather. I mean, That's it. That's you know, it. just a little bit of freaking self-respect. I think you know? in the next two years, you're going to see the kiss the ring line get longer yeah. and longer. Well, yeah, that's what he's doing, right? I mean, it's, it's – and, you know, there's Donald Trump. He can't <sighs> – I guess they still just live in absolute terror that he's going to primary them or that he's going to disrupt them. And I obviously, you know, Kevin McCarthy wants to be speaker of, and, and he understands that if Donald Trump forms a third party or if he comes out and starts primarying these guys, that uh, that, that could complicate the situation, right? It, it, you're exactly right. And, and, and the more you see people like myself or Adam or Liz, right? Adam or Scott, you, you know, all those individuals, the more you hear from them. I think the more that you see that, um, you know, you're going to get isolated from the board. Yeah, that's uh, but that, that the profile of Adam Kinzinger was interesting in the Washington Post yesterday, wasn't it? Where where he starts off by by basically quoting, <laughs> quoting that, that great line from uh, Band of Brothers that the first thing is to, is to realize that you're already dead. Yes. <laughs> and, and by the way, you know, Adam and I talk all the time and, no. um, you know, yeah, we're close friends and. You know, Adam and I have a shared experience in the Air Force. We have a shared experience in service, and and we also have a shared of experience of not giving two shits. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're you know, and that's that's really where Adam is so powerful. I think it's where I was. And and by the way, I still thought I could could have gotten through all that, um, but I didn't um, mm -hmm. because I refused to play the game of of this sort of committee craziness. And and Adam's a little bit more fortunate that he gets a primary, and I did not. And and we talked about that a lot. Mm -hmm. But Adam is alone and unafraid right now, guys. I know, I mean, the, the 10 of them are. You're talking about, it, it is really hard in there for them. And and I worry about like Anthony Gonzalez. I worry about Fred Upton, right? I, you know, I worry about some of these guys and, and poor Rice down in, my God, I, I, oh dear Lord, praise him, man. He's he's going to get crushed. 
you know, with, with rhetoric and with things like that and, and Brian Kemp. And, you know, I just think that we're going to see some real bad things in the next year, Charlie. I, I wish I had a, a more positive spin on this, but what I'm seeing from people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, full circle, and, and the crap she's spewing, um, people people enjoy it. It's almost like it's their kink. It's like conspiracy theories are their kink, and they get off on it. Well, it does raise the question about, you know, what does it take to be able to stand up against all of this? You know, you point out that he's uh, alone but unafraid, and it, it is the sort of, you know, I'm all out of Fs to give. You know, and again, that, that quote that I was, you know, from the Band of Brothers that he says in the Washington Post, the only hope you have you have is to accept the fact you're already dead. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier uh, is supposed to function. And I, I, I think that the the through line is that people who define themselves outside of the role of politician have a life and an identity that is not totally tied up with being an elected office, that you can stand up there and go, okay, you know what? I've, 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 I've had other jobs before this. I'll have other jobs after this. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to turn myself into what, you know, Uriah Heap in order to keep this particular position, you know, Charlie had a guy the other day. I was, it was media. He goes, Hey, uh, what do we call you? I'm like, excuse me. I mean, do we call you the honorable or former congressman? I said, well, actually I prefer to be called something much more dear. And they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, Denver. <laughs> Could you, my name's Denver. I'm Denver Riggleman. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to use my air force title forever. I'm not going to use CEO Riggleman when I was a CEO or Congressman Riggleman, this was just a part of my life. I've only been in politics three years, Charlie. And, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, it gave me a, a chance just to sort of apply some, some normal common sense stuff to things. And whether I did well or not, eh, it'll remain to be seen in history. You know, I did what I thought was right. I can sleep at night and people are happy with me. And I seem to have more Republicans and Democrats that are rational calling me than I ever have. And, you know, that's great. And my business opportunities are great. I, I, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you on 50 acres yeah. next to my distillery, Charlie. I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. And, and I think that's where Adam has it too, is that, I mean, he's a Lieutenant, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, he's mm -hmm. a Lieutenant Colonel in the air force. Um, he has every opportunity in the intelligence and operational fields that I do, if not more. Um, he could absolutely do anything he wants outside of Congress. And he knows that. And that gives him a freedom and gave me a freedom and gave Paul Mitchell a freedom out of Michigan. It gives certain people a freedom that other people don't. If you don't have that kind of service, if you have people in there that this is their biggest paycheck ever and they enjoy sleeping in their office, that is their life. Mm -hmm. People like me, they do not like because I just walk in there and say, hey, you know what? You're doing this just to get reelected. You know, screw you, Denver. Yeah, I am because it's the biggest paycheck I ever had. I I'm, I'm happy. I want this retirement. And that's the issue that you have is you have careerism over service. And when that happens, you see what's going on today. No. And, and you actually have people who have decided the worst thing in the world is to not be a senator anymore. And you oh. know, look, I'm sure it's being it's cool being a senator, but you know what? Um, it, it depends who you think you are. What's happened to, to Rubio? I, I don't oh even know. God. And I'm just sort of <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And are the people saying this is so divisive that Democrats are trying to destroy the country, country on impeachment? Are you effing kidding me? What are you talking about? You know, people died at the Capitol Hill riots. Have you seen the evidence, the videos of people arrested? Have you seen the, 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 the actual information chain on how this was coordinated? Are, are you where? It, I don't I don't get it. 
I, I, I don't get it. Actually, my wife asked me this question. She says, how, how do they stand up, you know, with a straight face and say some of the things they're, they're saying? And I said, well, you know, shamelessness is a superpower. And apparently Donald Trump's not the only one who has it. <laughs> John Hawley is really, I mean, I would like to put him on, in a laboratory because he is remarkable. I mean, you know, a, the purest uh, fake demagogue here. But, you know, n- now he's all in on this. I am being muzzled. Uh, I, but, you know, I am courageous. Here's the guy who tried to cancel millions of votes three weeks ago. Here's the guy who's giving the fist bump to the mob that ended up killing a police officer. And he's not only not chagrined about it, he's doubling down and he's out there. I am standing firm. I was listening to an interview the other day and he kept saying, I am not going to give in to the liberal mob. The liberal mob is not going to silence me. So three weeks after a mob, a MAGA mob pushing his own agenda goes in and kills a cop in the Capitol. Here he is using the same word, mob, the woke mob. I'm going to stand up against the woke mob. Your mob is the one with the actual blood on its hands, and yet he's turning it around. The way these guys take something, you know, make it into something completely different and sort of wrap themselves in, in the cloak of victimization and make themselves look like heroes, it is sort of amazing. You know, you kind of wonder, it's like, can you really like look a normal human being in the eye and do that? And apparently these guys can. You know, it's, uh, you know, in high school, Charlie, when you had those guys in cars that, you know, they would go by and throw water balloons at the people on the bicycles and then speed away. That's Josh Hawley. And then, you know, and um, I, 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 you know, I'm, (laughs) I, he's the kind of guy, you know, and, and that's the thing is they're so, they have so much grievance. They're so put upon, you know, there's, you know, after they do something completely wrong, I know they had messaging meetings. I'm sure they, they all went over to Capitol Grill, you know, got some dinner, you know, over there. And, you know, I've been there many times and saw Ted over there and, and saw everybody over there. saw all the senators. They're over there eating. They're like, well, how do we message this? How do we get out of this? So they go back to their comms teams and they say, well, how do we message out of this? Um, how do we make mm-hmm. sure that we're the ones that have been wronged by this so we can we can sort of throw a smoke screen, be opaque about what happened on January 6th? That's it. It's not... You know, it's just people who want to get reelected that maybe have a little bit of narcissism, mi- narcissism mixed in with the ability to say anything to anybody, uh, maybe a lack of conscience, uh, or maybe the fact they think is winning is the most important thing above all, and and, and they and they got to have the juice, right? Yeah. And, and really, so if you got somebody who mixes narcissism with uh, a lack of a conscience, with got to have the juice, you got Josh Hawley. Well, or and speaking of which, how about uh, Rand Paul? Now, Rand Paul is giving an interview the other day where he's he, he's he's pushing his his own theory out here. Let me let me play a little bit of Rand Paul, and I'm going to get your take on this. Well, I think we ought to look at the facts. Apparently, the violence happened while the president was giving the speech to other people. Apparently, people plotted about this violence weeks in advance on Facebook, which was the primary place that they plotted this. But the other thing is, is she needs to look at Democrats' language and use the same standard. So if she wants to impeach the president, she should also impeach Maxine Waters, Bernie Sanders, and Cory Booker. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Yeah, huge pushback he got there from the Fox News guy. Okay, so can we just like just kind of deconstruct that bullshit there? Um, yeah. Number one, he's he's essentially saying, look, well, since this was pre-planned on Facebook, then the president cannot legitimately be accused of inciting it. Break that, uh, that down for me. That is probably the most 
I would say gratuitous portion or the, the, the most gratuitous pouring of liquid bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, because here's the deal. If you go back the months before, we've already proven through data that, that sort of deep, uh, deep corner trolls push the messaging up to the, to the white house. For instance, in May, uh, we knew that trolls on Reddit and then Twitter started the subpoena Obama. I'm just giving you some real data mm -hmm. here. Guys, you're going to, this is why nobody wants to argue with me on this. Um, so you had data being pushed from trolls on Reddit and Twitter that actually propagated up in under 48 hours. Guess what President Trump was tweeting? Subpoena Obama, Obamagate, mm -hmm. which was just made up by a guy on his beanbag. I mean, that's that's really what we're coming down to. They put together a bunch of – it was sort of syncretic ideas or they meshed it together. And then they came up with the Subpoena Obama hogwash, which was retweeted by the president about two weeks. The president retweeted that Joe Biden killed SEAL Team 6. He also retweeted a bunch of QAnon theorists about Osama bin Laden having a body double. He retweeted Dominion. He actually supported Mike Flynn and Thomas McInerney on their NSA tripe on uh, on Hammer and Scorecard, which actually made me laugh out loud when I heard it. I, I, it was just so pathetic. He has been doing this for months. He started setting this up based on his retweets and social media presence by pushing this type of radical language. Mm -hmm. Then his subordinates did that. Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Lynn Wood. Jen Ellis. Let's go down the line, right? He had paid these course people at some points or at other points. He still had Rudy Giuliani on the line about Dominion. That's why he's getting sued for $1.3 billion. Then he goes out during that, right before the siege, and tells people they got to take back their government. Mm -hmm. Speaks in conjunction with people like Mo Brooks, Madison Cawthorn, Rudy Giuliani, and his son, Don Jr., with some blather, I don't know, some poppycock mm -hmm. that he's spewing. All of this leads to the fact that a lot of this is disinformation based directly from the major influencers, which includes President Trump. If Rand Paul doesn't know this, he's stupid or deliberately obtuse. There is no other way around it. This is the feed. This is the feedback loop. So the, the way he's, it, it is so disingenuous here, because you can't just focus on what Donald Trump said on January 6th. You have to go back to the entire, you know, the entire buildup of the fake election. And Donald Trump knew what was going on out here. I mean, he knew what the feedback loop was. He, he encouraged it. He, he was feeding the beast. And so when on January 6th, he drops the match, he knew that the kindling was there. He knew that the kerosene had already been poured, right? He just drops the match. Um, but to suggest that, well, because the, the fire had been laid and because people had, you know, were threatening violence that when the president basically gave them the go ahead, he's innocent. No, this makes it even worse that he does this. Now, the other point he tries to make is that all kinds of pop, uh, politicians engage in language like take back your country, fight and everything. And so therefore, if you impeach the president, you have to impeach everybody else, which again, kind of ignores the overall context here. So the question is, is Rand Paul dumb or is he disingenuous? Oh goodness! Yeah, I think he, I, I it's think not a binary he, choice. I think you wrap that up into ambitious. Maybe he wants to be the VP for Ivanka when she runs for president in twenty four. And oh, my you know, goodness, you know, and also you know you're setting up a pipeline uh, based on what the president can fundraise directly into your coffers. Um, you're looking at Mitch McConnell, who's been a, a little bit better than Rand on these issues. Not much better, but a little bit better. And I think what you're looking at is Rand has ambitions that go well beyond the Senate. Um, and I and I think, you know, when Josh Hawley came and said, well, I'm not running in 2024. Well, you're pretty young. Maybe you're looking at 28. 
Um, or maybe you're looking at VP or maybe you're looking for something that maybe is an appointed position. Who knows what these people are looking for? I do know that it's about their political careers. And if you listen to Rand through that lens, like he wants to do something beyond center, sort of makes sense, right? I mean, politically, I'm not saying rationally, sure. guys, but politically, he's aligning himself with a group of people that he always knows the votes will be there. He always knows the fundraising is going to be there. He's in Kentucky. Um, so he really, I don't know wh- who's going to challenge him there. So he can do what he wants to make sure that he pads whatever resume he has underneath the Trump banner. I, I, it's just, to me, it just seems fairly simple. You know, I, I, and again, I, 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 I struggle against being really negative here, but it, it is starting to, it, it, I am starting to think that the post-Trump Republican Party might actually be worse than the Republican Party under Trump is at least under Trump. You could, you, you could blame it on Trump. Well, okay, it's him. He's a narcissist. That's you no know, Donald Trump being Donald Trump and everything. And there's this, you know, other party that may be, you know, gutless and going along with it. But now that he's gone, now that we've kind of, you know, drained that swamp away, what are we left with? We're, we're left with people who are like, hey, we're okay with it. We're going to defend the insurrection. We're going to engage in this sort of shamelessness. Uh, we're, 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 going, we're going to kowtow to the worst possible elements. So a lot of things that were simply sort of implicit now are explicit. The things that they could have pretended were just glitches now are pretty much the feature, aren't they? Yeah, it, it's so funny. I tried to come up with words for that, Charlie. I don't know if this works, but... It's like it's now into the competitive grift stage or the competitive disinformation <laughs> stage, uh, I, right? I, you know, yeah. where you have certain individuals trying to take control of the messaging or to make sure that they get most of the airtime based on their theories. For instance, I think you're going to see sort of a Mike Flynn resurgence, not just with Rand. Mm. You know, what, what Mike Flynn on the night of January 5th had a uh, interview with Alex Jones. I don't know if, if you guys already know this. I apologize for bringing this up. No, go ahead. Um, so Mike Flynn had an interview with Alex Jones, and at about the 12-minute mark, he started to sit on InfoWars, you know, the very, you know, mm-hmm. realistic InfoWars. Um, he tried to separate himself from Donald Trump and saying that this wasn't about Donald Trump. This was about the Constitution. This was about protecting people. This is about your vote count. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy cow. I mean, not, not like I can't see that coming, but I, my guess is, is that Mike Flynn is – you're going to see a huge push by him in some of these networks for fundraising, but maybe to be a VP candidate or maybe to run for office, uh, maybe to do something like that. I don't know how the pardon affects him. I don't know enough about, you know, if he, if he even is a felon anymore based on the pardon. I don't think so. Um, but it could be that he runs for office. And I believe Mike Flynn would be in a very effective fundraiser. Plus he sells really nifty QAnon t-shirts. So there you go. And hat, maybe underwear. I don't know. All of those things. There's because there's 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 always some merch. There's always some merch attached to any any organization. I mean, any political movement uh, out there. So Denver Riggleman, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. We appreciate it, former Congressman Denver Riggleman, who is uh, a lot more prominent now as an ex-congressman and a lot more interesting than you were as a congressman. Have you noticed that? <laughs> have, you, have you noticed that? You, you, got, you got a lot more. You got a lot more juice out of office than you had when you were in office. That's because I'm. They couldn't. They just can't take the sexiness, Charlie. It's just so overwhelming. To everybody, you know. They, it's just you know. I'm like the chubby Tom Cruise of Congress. You know. It's uh, it's difficult to. You All know, right. No. We will have you back. We will definitely have you back soon. <laughs> and thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow, and we will do this all over again. <laughs>